0: Hi hey there, my name's Andrew Kays, and I'm the pastor at Emmanuel Evangelical Lutheran Church of Paines Point. That's in rural Oregon, Illinois. You're about to hear me preach. This episode was recorded during the COVID-19 pandemic, during which we are not holding public worship. The preached text or texts are not included in the audio of this episode. You may want to pause, check the notes or description of the episode, and find a link to those texts grace and peace to you sisters and brothers in christ last week we looked at why uh in our tradition the ascension and its corresponding day in the church year tends to get minimized for bad reason. That has got me thinking, do we make the same kind of mistake with Pentecost? After thinking this through and discussing it with a few colleagues, I've concluded that, no, (laughs) we don't do that. However, in our proper honoring of the day, we may miss the more practical. Well, to start, let's go over this. Uh, Let's name how we typically consider Pentecost and what we do for it. It's the birthday of the church, that's what we call it anyway, Uh, as in this is the day the Holy Spirit got involved with this group of believers, and they went from being a ragtag group of people who just used to follow Jesus around to the start of what we now call the church. We tend to do confirmation on this Sunday, the idea being that the Holy Spirit may well be active in a new way in the lives of of these young Christians as they affirm their baptisms and commit themselves to Christ and of course become members of their congregation. Uh, We have the tradition you just saw of hearing the Acts text read in many languages. That gives us a sense of what it was like to hear words that you can understand in the midst of so many that you cannot. And it also serves to remind us that uh, God is not just for people like us who, you know, look like us and speak like us and live where we live. Instead, this is a God for all nations, all peoples. So there's three things we do to honor the holiday. And, and frankly, that's not at all an exhaustive list. That's just common things. Uh, other, there's other ways that worship leaders may try to make it special, bigger recessionals and processionals, even more complex ways of handling the readings special guests. Uh, In seminary, I seem to recall if Easter was early enough that Pentecost was during the school year, we would say the Lord's Prayer in multiple languages. We really do a pretty good job of trying to convey just how special and spectacular this whole event was. This was God acting in the world in a new, big way, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit among many people, And, and it's the way God continues to act in the world. It ought to be lifted up, remembered, celebrated. And our ceremony tends to get at that. But maybe it's not all grandiose. Maybe there's something practical here that we've missed. Well, I already (laughs) foreshadowed that. For this two-volume story that is Luke and Acts, at least one fruit of the gospel is the church. It's the visible, measurable impact of Christ's ministry, death, and resurrection, and ascension here on earth. Now, let's pretend for a second, just pretend that that were the whole fruit of the gospel. It's not, of course. Luke still talks about forgiveness and salvation and the resurrection and so on. But how is the church itself good news, good enough to write a whole second volume? Well, historians from a a religious perspective will tell you that one reason the church grew like it did was the church was so willing to take care of people specifically people who others would not. That's why the early church was built on radical generosity. Everyone gave what they had so the needs of all could be met. It's not a political statement. It's just what had to be done for the church to do its job at that time and place. The gospel that is the church then is that there was finally a community that would welcome in people from other communities, other families, outcasts, outsiders, and they would take care of each other. In an era without social programs, no social safety nets, this was the difference between life and death for many. It's worth noting that, as is evidenced in today's text, that the Jewish people were already, you know, they spanned several countries. They spoke many languages. God was already crossing those barriers, but there were still religious and ancestral connections there. The church sprung up and crossed even those barriers, too. Okay, so we've moved from the grandiose tongues of flame, the the movements of God manifest in, in this loud and incredible way, miracles of speaking and understanding, to the pragmatic and worldly effect of the church community taking care of friends, neighbors, strangers, and enemies alike, the church that was born that day. Now, for sermon content, I'm really moving in the wrong direction. Uh, (laughs) It's getting more nitty-gritty and more down-to-earth with each passing moment, and there's no sense in stopping now, because there's a through-line in all this that takes us to the even more practical. The miracle of Pentecost, let's just set aside the spectacle of it, is that people could understand each other. That's the birth of the church as we know it one fruit of the gospel that a new community would care for anyone who cared to join them and they'd do it in Christ's name with God's help. That's two very practical details that belong together because people cannot coordinate and care for one another and their neighbors if they cannot communicate. Communication typically, of course, looks like spoken language, but there's more to it. The point is this, the first gift of the spirit on the birthday of the church is the ability to communicate because you can't be church, you can't be community at all without communication. So simple, yet so profound, we see it everywhere. Marriage counselors generally agree, two things that every happy, healthy relationship needs is uh, communication and community. The first step in reducing conflict in an organization, say like a church, is to increase communication. The only way for others to know your needs, and therefore to try to meet them so you are cared for, is by communicating those needs. The only way for others to know what you bring to the table, how you can help them, is, you guessed it, communicate. Now, God put the ability to communicate right there at the start, in a, communicate in a radical way, because it was something the church was going to have to do in order to do its job. Now, what's the point then today to take home with us, since I so foolishly moved in the wrong direction, going from the grandiose miracle of Pentecost down to the pragmatic implications? Well, a few things. First, in light of our physical distancing and lack of in person gathering, Keep communicating. Get those notes you want to share into the newsletter. Call each other. Join us in this Sunday morning live chat and, and forthcoming virtual coffee hour, if it works. Second, consider where you may not be communicating. That could be uh, communicating your needs and resources to, say, your family or community. It could be from a larger <coughs> societal front, you know. We've got a few big problems. We've got a serious problem with political polarization and echo chambers in this country. Humans, of course, have to remind us humans are wrong more often than they are right. And now, more than any other time in history, we can choose to only hear those who agree with us and shut out those who disagree and therefore fail to learn. So find a news source or a trusted friend or family member with whom you know you disagree and hear their perspective. You can't improve if you don't communicate and if you don't listen. Because you're not always right, and they're not always wrong. Third, listen when others cry out for help. These past couple of weeks, we've seen more instances in the news of racial injustice, and we don't have to agree on the response or the solution. But if a whole segment of the community cries out for help, the community as a whole needs to hear them. We've also seen more and more news of small businesses and the self-employed slipping through the cracks during this pandemic as relief programs clearly had their focus, most of their focus in other places, large corporations, chains, that sort of thing. But it was the little guys that didn't have money in reserve to lean on. And there's no doubt among those who are particularly voiceless, there's some slipping through the same sort of cracks as we see food pantries overwhelmed respite centers reduce their hours and capacity and safe places to stay have closed you know, it's hard to imagine how the homeless can survive right now the world is a broken place full of broken people and broken organizations from government to yes even churches But if we're going to call Pentecost our birthday, we need to do our best to be the church that was born that day. And the first thing, the first thing the Holy Spirit called God's church to do was to talk to each other, to speak, to listen, to hear, to be heard. It's the first step. It's crucial. In order to help each other, our neighbors and honor our calling to be the church, we've got to communicate the Holy Spirit is still working in the world. We've still got the same sort of work to do in the world. And it's not all spectacle and tongues of flames and glorious miracles. Sometimes it's just speaking our needs. for listening. I pray God spoke to you in some way. A quick note at the end, which you can skip if you've heard it before. The audio in my sermons does not always come with proper citations. While I do some self-study and lean on my own seminary education, I also lean on my colleagues with whom we have a regular text study, and I also use Luther Seminary's Working Preacher website and their podcast, Sermon Brainwave, fairly often. Some credit is due to at least one of those other sources. Wherever you are, whenever you hear this, please be well. Take care of yourself and each other, be responsible, and have a great rest of the week. Thanks.